0: Hey everyone, welcome to Punkcast. My name is William Maxwell. I'm a student of Web3 and the owner of Punk9527. CryptoPunks are 10,000 uniquely generated characters stored permanently on the Ethereum blockchain. No punk is the same. This is a show dedicated to celebrating the punks behind the punk. My hope for this podcast is that we capture the essence of the punk culture, elevate the brand and the individual behind the punk. One last thing. Projects discussed in the show is not financial advice. Crypto and NFTs are a volatile and risky asset class. Please always do your own research. Other than that, let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Punkcast. Today, we've got Punk 7294. He's a 4 Atti, cigarette, earring, nerd glasses, and the super iconic purple hair. He's currently building Focus Block, a vintage photography NFT platform. Please welcome the Anna to the show. Anna welcome. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm very good, uh, Maxwell. Thanks for having me here. Very excited to first uh, tell you where my Twitter name comes from.
0: <laughs> well, why, why don't you break that down for us? I, I detect a French accent, so there must be some sort of link there.
1: Yeah, so I'm French, and I'm a big, big fan of, uh, of a singer's name uh, Serge Gainsbourg. He was the husband of Jane Birkin. She was a uh, a model and a singer, and, and uh, the Hermès Birkin bag comes from from her name. And this singer, Serge Gainsbourg, he, in the 70s, was very iconic. His couple with uh, Jane Birkin were very iconic. And one of these most famous songs, um, name is L'Anamour, which means it's a song about love, but it's sort of a toxic love, but it's with the very, like french new wave new wave vibe into it i recommend you to to listen to the song you're gonna love it
0: is it on spotify i must listen to it Mm -hmm. nice yeah it sounds like you it sounds like you're a very romantic person then but it sounded that
1: you know uh, french people we we we, i mean we created love somehow you know
0: we
1: (laughs) we're pretending we are it's it's
0: (laughs) Well, nice man. Well, thanks so much for joining uh, Punkcast today. And, and maybe um, you can just share a little bit more about yourself and your background, like, you know, where you're based, where you sort of grew up and what sort of led your way into, into Web3.
1: Yeah. Grew up in France, moved to Canada for university, where well, I went to Montreal. And then during my, I was four years there, but in the middle, I did an exchange. I uh, went to Seoul in South Korea for almost a year then came back to Montreal for a year and then moved to London almost 10 years ago and been working in uh, as an investment banker, M&A banker, then worked for the family office of a Middle East billionaire. And then I've been working for this investment fund, private investment fund for four years. But yeah, but regarding, you know, I've been into crypto since uh, early 2017 and, and also been into contemporary art for a while now. So for me, it was really the best of both worlds. Like uh, NF- NFT really, really... We was a game changer for, I mean, almost a life changer because it's being into crypto and into contemporary art. It was fascinating when I jumped into into the space. And uh, when I started Collect in 21, I uh, was really fascinated by the also the community, community aspect of it and how easy you could reach out to, uh, to random people.
0: Maybe you take us back a little bit, a little bit further into your background. So it sounded like you traveled quite a fair bit, like from Canada and Seoul of all places. Like how did you get into Seoul of all, of all places in the world?
1: So you know, I had the choice to had the the option to do an exchange, you know, as an exchange student. You, uh, I I really applied mostly to to Asia. I never lived there before, and my favorite was South Korea because uh, at the time I was watching a lot a lot a lot of Korean movies. It was a big fan of action work, and when I was accepted <laughs> in in Seoul, I was I was really happy. I was fascinated by the by the Korean culture at the time. You know, it was a new new developed country. There are only two, you know, we call that, we call them economic uh, miracles in the world. Countries that managed to become developed countries in less than 50 years. And one of them is Israel and the other one is, uh, is South Korea. So I was uh, fascinated by by the people, like what they managed to achieve in, in just 50 years, starting from, from zero. And and also by their, their culture. The Korean cinema really, really fascinated me at the time. And still a very good cinema, doing very well, flourishing. So... Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. it feels like the Korean uh, soap operas uh, start to take off on Netflix and everywhere you look feels like there's a Korean influence anywhere, everywhere, right? Like from K-pop to music and you know, Squid Game and everything else. So
1: they're really creative, really, really creative people. They're very sophisticated, the way they want to showcase culture and how they, they're influenced is is very hard to understand how they're influenced because they really have their own thing. So uh, fascinating.
0: So what were you studying as well? Like, were you more finance subjects, or is it more art?
1: Yeah, economics and uh, mathematics.
0: Ah, I see. So you're you're a giga brain as well, which is pretty interesting.
1: <laughs> I used to play chess a lot. I even I was even a chess teacher uh, when I was in Canada, and I've always been into analyzing and thinking. And I had my poker phase as well, where I played poker a lot. But really, chess. I'm got back into the game during COVID. So because I had time to study the game again and then chess for me is one of the most important thing in my life.
0: Never really gotten into chess, but I know like, you know, a lot of people find a lot of life learnings out of chess. Like, are you finding that as well?
1: So I started when I was five. So for me, it sort of became natural. But when I look back, so as as a chess teacher, I had, a, I, I could take a step back and see what it would bring to these kids. And you, you really... Teach you how to structure your thinking, how to just focus and, and and on one thing, and it's it's amazing for like being able to visualize things in in in, in your head and in in, your, in the space, recognize some patterns quickly, problem solving as well is incredible. It's, it just you know make you like focus on one thing, and then some some you know when you do official games, it's time limited as well, so you also have to perform under under timing and pressure and, and, uh, and you, and he, he, you have to study ahead, you know, of your tournaments, you have to study and study and the game is endless. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's this, it gives you the culture of like, Absolutely. it teaches you how to study as well.
0: Absolutely. And so what sort of inspired you to study finance of all the things you could have studied back then.
1: I was really fascinated by um, the macro, micro economic agents and how they would like. So I, I was fascinated that you could materialize and 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 um, if you had like a, a right thesis about, let's say, an industry, you could bet like the stock market. You could like it really fascinated me that if you were right about a trend, you could materialize that 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 you know, and and may, you could make a bet on a. Uh, being a stock or, or if you were right about, uh, the monetary policy of, uh, of a country, you could, you could turn that into, into, into money just by, you know, making a, a macro bet. So I read all those, uh, all those books about, like, I think it was called Market Wizard, the first one of the series. And just, just, it's not really about the money. It's just about being right, having convictions and, 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 you know, finding, a. An asymmetric bet where the upside is much bigger than the downside, and then so I, I did a lot of economics, econometrics as well, st- stochastic calculus during my master degree. So I really like the, you know, I, I like statistics a lot as well.
0: Yeah, the the quantitative sort of rigor behind it, which is sort of fascinating. And and then when you moved into investment banking, like what what part of investment banking were you in? Were you more on the trading side? and you said MA, right? Actually.
1: But uh, yeah, it was v- very different from what I truly liked. But um, so it was merger and acquisitions. I I was uh, you know, I was very very, for me it was really key and it was I really wanted to learn about corporate finance and and uh, you know at a high high level like working, basically dealing with the top management of big big listed company, uh, disrupting so, some some deal some some corporate deals are completely disruptive to an industry so. So just like having a becoming an expert of an industry or and learning or learning a lot, I mean learning about you learn about everything. You learn about legal accounting. You know you you go through a lot of uh, commercial due diligence, financial due diligence. You learn about the market. You learn about how to to work very hard and for very long. You get a lot of hard skills. Um, you learn very hard skills. You you learn to work until. Under a lot of pressure and until until very late and and repeat and structure your work and and sometimes it's uh, too much. Sometimes you they work you so hard that you you know. But then then you 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 need to have this survival uh, aspect and understand that you it's all about surviving. Sometimes when you work hundred hours a week for six weeks in a row.
0: Absolutely, I'm I'm sure that would have been uh, character building for you in many ways. And then so you 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 went through studying math finance have a passion for chess went through investment banking what, what point did you start getting interested in, in crypto i think you said you were quite early like was you still working in banking at the time so when i
1: really got interested and i read about it a lot was in south korea it was quite it was 2011 i was reading an article because some some of the students there they're there uh, they were into it uh, but i didn't buy i uh it was very complicated with like the Canadian or the, or the French banks at the time. So I tried a couple of times, it didn't work. We tried two years later with my dad and, and the banks wouldn't let us buy. So it's in 2017 when I started, and I started with Ethereum, actually. Early 2017, I was reading about the Ethereum uh, alliances with all the banks. I started to understand what a smart contract was and I, I was fascinated about how it could really, really, really change uh, and create create an ecosystem that would just be more than just a mean of payment. That I, I mean, I don't know if you were around when Ethereum uh, ICO happened, and, and
0: uh, no, that, I was daydreaming. Uh, I should have I should have been uh, paying a little bit more attention.
1: But yeah, at the time, I, it was wow. I, so a lot of research paper, even even from investment funds about it, even from the banks, even from um, you know the tech industry was. was you know, it was really, really a game changer. And because also I felt like I missed the, the Bitcoin boat, I felt like I, I wanted to jump into Ethereum wagon. And then, and then um, yeah, the 2017 was a very good year for crypto in general.
0: What did you buy Ethereum at?
1: I bought at 40, 80, 200, 800,
0: 600. And then so you, you bought Ethereum early days. And then what was your transition into NFTs? Like what was your first NFT basically?
1: So basically, I had Ethereum, then things from September. So Ethereum was doing very well. But from September 2017, there was a big ad con season. So I traded everything. XLM, Ripple, uh, Yota, uh, (laughs)
0: what
1: was big at the time. Uh, Like DigiCoin, a lot lot of shit stuff as well. But Siacoin, And then at the end of this run, I, I just... Vcoin as well. And at the end of this coin, I just swapped everything into Ethereum. And then he went down and down and down and crashed. And I did really looked at it. It was on like different, myether wallets it was called myether wallet at the time. There wasn't, MetaMask was the very beginning of MetaMask, very early days. And uh, this Ethereum, they just slept for, I used a chunk of it to like, just for my travels and expenses. I was using like a debit card um, service in the UK that will allow you to, to swap crypto into, into, into fiat and just pay like this. So I, I spent some years on, on uh, travels, but I kept most of them. And then, uh, you know, late 2020, I started looking into crypto again. And then 21, it pumped again even more. And then, and then that's when I started to get interested in, into NFT because crypto were pumping. But at the same time, my art friends, my friends are art dealers or work for galleries or have their galleries or collect art. We're like talking about NFT, people working for Christie's, they were like, they were talking about NFT. And I was like, wow, those people, they they have no idea what what crypto is, but still there. So it really made me think that something was happening there uh, and it could touch different pockets of capital. So I didn't buy straight. I played with my ETH. And then it's in June 21 that I really uh, got into NFT.
0: Nice. And, And do you remember what your first NFT was?
1: It was, uh, I don't know, it's Pudgy Penguin or Board Ape. I'm not sure. One or the other.
0: Those are pretty good entries. I mean, they're still around today. So, uh, pretty good choice.
1: So, I miss I missed the Board Ape mints. I have a good friend in, in London who minted a lot, I still have most of them. So, I actually bought, bought a few, sold, and kept two that I've put for sale in a gallery in Mayfair in London. Sold one of the, of the two, then sold again. And I would, didn't really resonate with me well. I, I was part of the, it was a big Sotheby's auction. Ape Psolobiz auction, I was part there was a big pump happening during this. So I sold after that. I got the mutants dropped, airdropped, that was fun. But then the yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't, you know, I found out about art blogs and some gen art artists and it was super rare. And like, so I, I was more interested in that. So I, I sold PFP. I, I had a lot of fun with cryptods. It was a big, big pump, a massive pump, like from zero, it was crazy, like zero five eats all the way to fifteen. With ETH.
0: Yeah, I remember that. That was crazy. Then, yeah.
1: then we, I did, I was, and I'm still quite involved in a uh, crypto digbot. So uh, yeah, it was October 21. We, I mean, yeah, I, I was crypto digbot was was amazing as well. And then yeah, then I just focused on, uh, I focused on more uh, serious stuff.
0: Just a side question as well. I did ape some crypto digbots, but admittedly, it was just more for trading. I never really got into the community there are you in the community at the moment still or um do you know what it's about
1: yeah so i mean i'm in a telegram group where we're like just 69 people jimony uh, Farok, these punk 6529 Batsupium, meltem sergito C- 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 is also there you're right uh yeah we, we it's, it's an amazing community to be fair people that like They've been like, they're experienced, been in the space for a while. They're like, have a good ethos. Um, smart people also driven and that will like crypto and FT, like same, same, a good vibe to be very good vibe. And it's a lot of, it's, you know, it was just a way. This collection at the end of the day is just a way to, to make fun of like, not to make fun, but just to laugh about the PFP trend. You know, it's, it's just a meme and it's like, okay, yeah, just it's, a meme. It's nothing serious. That, that's what, uh, that's, I like the meme and I like also that people don't take it too seriously.
0: Yeah. And ba- Baz is in there too, right? I think Baz has a huge, had a huge bag back in the day.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's in the top top holders.
0: Yeah. I need to get back in because I think um, I'm getting a little bit of FOMO. Everybody keeps talking about the Crypto Dick Butts Ball in New York City is like uh, one of the best events to go to. Uh, <laughs> I must get a lot of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They dig the, um, something called the Dick Banner uh, last week. I couldn't make it
0: to New <laughs> York. And and you said that you had a bit of a, of a traditional art collection as well. Like, what was your journey into art, like, in general?
1: I've just been following and listening uh, to my uh, contemporary art f- collector friends that are, you know, I've just been following them, sometimes going to Basel, Miami-Basel, Freeze in London, just following them, going to some auctions, and, and whenever there would be, like, some uh, interesting, uh, not cheap, uh, entry-level prices, not too expensive, I would, I would give it a try. You know, I would just trust them.
0: More from an investment perspective or? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. no, the art world is like super fascinating for me. Like, I, I mean, I can't fully wrap my head around it, but I, I recently went to uh, Art Basel here in Hong Kong probably about a month ago. And um, I caught up with a friend who's a reasonably big collector uh, out of China. But he was telling me that you do know that um, Art Basel is a place where they dump Inventory they can't sell, right? Um, and I had no idea, because he sort of said, like, you know, all the galleries from around the world they, they 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 showcase each artist on the primary in their own galleries, you know, like Pace Gallery and all those other bits and pieces. And some of those pieces are unsold, and so they go on global tours like Basel to basically offload some of the inventory. And he's sort of saying that you know you can still get some, pick up some good stuff, but it's almost like all the good stuff is almost been taken before it gets to basel and then when you get into basel as well like the first week it's basically locked away for vip and the vvip get like a book ahead of the actual the actual date so they can actually go through the book and highlight which pieces they like and um and scoop them up before the rest so it feels like it's like the whitelist you know the whitelist before <laughs> the what the real world whitelist yeah the whitelist from there yeah yeah, and, and it's just super fascinating too, right? And I think he's probably a bit more scared about, you know, selling a piece on the secondary just because he doesn't want to ruin a relationship with the gallery.
1: No, yeah. They hate flippers over there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it's a, it's another world, right? So um, super fascinating. But but you can sort of definitely see a lot of corollaries, NFTs for sure.
1: Oh, there is, there is, there is. And also a lot of traditional art uh, money um, it's been flowing a bit into, into NFT, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to flow even more into it.
0: Do you think? Because like, I don't know, man, like right now, the NFTs are going through the shitter. And then, I, I mean, the vibe at Art Basel was if you walked up to somebody and said that, you know, you were in NFTs, they would just like turn the shoulder on you. But like last year or two years ago, you'd turn up and everyone's trying to sell you know tradition trade trad art galleries are trying to sell nFTs but now they're just like they're going back to their old ways a little bit snobbish right right now, I think, but uh hopefully the tides, the tides will change
1: yeah no I um so you you are uh, so you're also also into it i guess
0: uh not really not really I, I I mean I get invited to a few of these events and I just tag, tag along, but I just sort of feel like i mean i I, I don't have a an eye for art. You know, so uh, I think I'm relying on other people, and and mostly the story behind it to actually for something to really resonate with me, and and that, and you know, I probably don't have enough of my bags to to throw at some of these pieces because some of them are super expensive, right? So, um, and, as, and obviously in Hong Kong, I've got no no place to actually store any of this stuff either. So, um, hasn't really been a place for me, but you know, I can definitely appreciate some of the some of the work that comes out of it.
1: So, are you also into Gen Art, or just just into uh? Do you do you collect like some one to ones or do you
0: Yeah, no, not not so much one-to-ones. I do I do love Gen Art. It's just uh yeah, something that sort of appeals to me aesthetically and things that I, I think the 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 whole mechanic behind Gen Art feels like a nice fit for NFTs. The underlying technology, the smart contracts and algorithms, you know, they all combine together and it just works that sort of magic. And I think is it a really nice fit for NFTs? So, um and I love the story behind it and the stuff that Snowfro has done as well. So Sure. Are, you, are you are you in the same thing like yeah i love does get get um... i love i
1: love gen art i love uh i love photo as well nft photo i love uh from one to one's ai art as well i was uh at the beginning of uh brain drops I really like brain drops yeah i'm uh, i like stuff that like i love people that innovate
0: yeah absolutely well mate like why don't we talk a little bit about focus block it's a I sort of gather it's a vintage photography NFT platform, but, but why, why won't you explain what Focus Block is and and what was the inspiration behind it?
1: So we we are two. Um, my partner uh, unfortunately could, couldn't make the interview, but but we're two. We are both, uh, you know, been we've been into photos since, since a very early age, being a big fan of. Uh, I don't know. Since very young, like Helmut Newton, Annie Leibovitz. Uh, I mean, I could talk about that for hours, but it, it was really, you know, I thought I thought that there could really be something uh, we could do. I, th- I thought that NFT photo was uh, was way too niche, and there was there was there is there is so much potential for for NFT photo to to be much much bigger than it is now. So yeah, I, I uh, had a good friend uh, in Paris. His father is one of the most famous uh, French photographer. Uh, Jean-Claude Dutch. So back in uh, February 22, he knew that I was into it, so he was uh, he asked me if if there could be potential for to do a collection with with his father's uh, photos. Then I looked at it, uh, very iconic stuff, photos of Fritz Zoniger, Yves Saint Laurent, uh, John Trump, I mean, all all the celebrities from uh, his father worked from the 60s to early 2000s being a paparazzi. For um, the the most famous and most popular French uh, French magazine, so um, I was like, yeah, let's do it. Then he got back got got back to us two weeks later saying, wait, actually, we won't be able to do anything because the copyrights are owned by the the French magazine. So it's called Lagardère Media. It's the largest French media company, publicly listed. It's it's very big. And yeah, that's how it started. We we started having meetings with the the, the French uh, the French media company started to create like this sort of trust relationship. And uh, then, yeah, I started drafting contract, uh, licensing agreement and distribution agreements, where it took like two months, almost signed, got back to us, oh, we have to go from British law to French law. So we had to start all over it again. So got different lawyers, French copyright law and and British copyright law are very, very different. So we we had to start the process from, from scratch. And then the market crashed a bit, you know, in June of last year. So they sort of lost the infrared. What it did, it wasn't their priority. But yeah, it, you know, it was beginning of December when we finally signed. Uh, we had to go through this process. We had to create their, their first crypto wallet, which is a big deal, right? For, for such a big company to get a first, um, first feed into, into, into crypto and web three. So. Very proud of that. um, Then we we launched the brand, started everything from zero, websites, Twitter account, uh, everything organic. In a month and a half, we we minted out. Uh, A month and a half later, we minted out quite quite quickly. Um, It was a drop of 120 um, photos from the 60s to the late 90s of iconic celebrities, such as, you know, Jane Birkin, and then I go back to it. Serge Gainsbourg, uh, which is the the singer of my of my name, Lanamour. Uh, David Bowie, Julio Iglesias, Michael Jackson. You can you can have a look. It's a, uh, you know, really French French new wave vibe, a bit kitsch, not too serious. Uh, did very well, and we we're like, oh yeah, wow. Actually, there is you know people like it. It was mostly vaulted and minted by like punks so, or. People that are like on Super Rare. So, really, like, sort of like serious collectors, the people that just like vaulted them. And uh, we're like, maybe, maybe, you know, I'm sure that there is much more we can do. So, yeah, we, we um, did a couple of nice milestones. We won something uh, called the Space Race on Super Rare, where the Super Rare, so, Super is a DAO. And uh, the community voted for us to have our own uh, gallery on Super Rare that's going to be featured starting from June uh so it was quite a big milestone because there were maybe 50 contender uh, 50 content so very happy about this we've put together a board of advisors with some some i think high profile people like Jake Fried uh Michael yeah he's on a board You can we can check on the website we have Michael Sidowski who is probably one of the best uh, seller in nft photo selling to mostly mostly collected by Cosmo Punk 65 and uh and the whale of NFT photo, his name is Alpha Trilogy. We have him advising us. He's, he's become a very good friend. We have Louis, Louis Daisy, who probably the most uh, the most talented French uh, photographer. We have um, some more like media, web two people. We have the founder of White Wall, who's a good friend advising us. We have Jan Rogers, he's the number three of Ledger. I'm sure you know him. He's a good friend as well. We so we we've been surrounded. we surrounded by experienced people that love what we do, that love vintage photo. And so, yeah. And, and then in, in February, we secured a partnership with the largest and oldest f- cinema photo archives in the world, which is called Movie Star News. It's a fascinating story because this, um, those archives been around since um, 1930s <laughs> and they've had a, a store in Manhattan for, for the shutdown during COVID. But but from 1933, I think until na- uh, 2020, they, they had the, the the, the store in manhattan they were like the the go-to place for movie stills and posters and they even have like the original uh, negatives of of some of the some movies from the 40s the 30s it's it's been fascinating to to do the curation of this drop we had access to, to hundreds of thousands of of photos and we, we we just trimmed it down to 333 trying to cover the, um, the history of cinema basically
0: man I, in, in Hollywood. i'm i looking through these photos they are really, really cool. I mean, it just takes me back in a, in a time machine of just growing up in the 80s. Yeah. I see Pavarotti, I see Sylvester Stallone, I see Arnold Schwarzenegger, who I'm a big fan of, and Sophie Marceau. I, I, I had a massive crush on her back in the day.
1: <laughs> you do, you do. They still have.
0: These are absolutely beautiful, man. Where
1: did you grow up? In Hong Kong?
0: Uh, no, I grew up in Australia, in Melbourne.
1: Okay, because you, you seem to know. Uh, yeah. So so, so that, that was the first drop that we did in January. And yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you, you you like the the vibe.
0: So you've you've done two drops, have you?
1: So just one. The new drop is in uh, ten days. Okay. The one with the movie stars. Ah, okay. On nice. the website, nice. the new collection on the website, you'll see we have uh, photos of the Godfather. Of um, we start with Charlie Chaplin movies, with Casablanca. We with um Citizen kane Hitchcock hitch movie, Stanley Kubrick. you can have a look.
0: You know, you know what? Tony Herrera needs to get the Godfather piece for sure.
1: So we have a few of Godfather. We have uh, Marlon Brando, we have Al Pacino, we have uh, Robert Duval, we have some some very cool, cool and iconic stuff.
0: Man, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get into some of these. Wait, so, like can you help me understand something, right? So like as a as a collector, when you buy one of these, like what do you actually get? Right? Because like when you talk about rights
1: yeah, so every everything we do, we we are advised by Latam and Watkins. If you check on Google, you will you will find it. And we think, I mean, people have been pretty happy and very. We we basically granting the what what we think is the the highest standard of NFT photo. We grant uh, exclusive one to one NFT uh, uh, NFT licensing. So you basically, there will never ever be any other NFT. No one was gonna have the right. To, to issue or to release or to mint the same photo, it's one. To, you basically have the one to one NFT right. You can uh, display it anywhere you want, uh, trade it uh, as much as you want. It's yours. It's however you don't have any commercial right over it. Obviously, uh, you, know, you cannot start a brand of a T-shirt brand and, and of, you know putting like let's say you mint a Clint Eastwood and and then you won't be able to. <laughs> To sell a uh, Clint Eastwood T-shirt with this photo. But...
0: And in terms of provenance, then, like, how do you look at that? Like, do you link the provenance back to the original photographer or?
1: So the first drop, the provenance really was the photographer himself and the and the French media. This time it really is a movie star news. Um, people that know about photography, movie star news is um, is very very iconic. It's uh, the oldest cinema photo archive that ever existed. They, yeah, they've been here for actually, yeah, 90 years. The provenance is movie star news because they started working. So it's a brother and a sister. They're named The Clow. They started doing, just going on sets with Arkeo Pictures, which was one of the largest uh, cinema studios in Hollywood in the 30s, 40s, 50s. It was part of what we call the Big Five. Big Five, you had like Arkeo, Paramount, MGM, Universal, the fifth one I forgot, but but yeah, they were like doing mostly going on set to RKO studios and, and, and just collecting those, you know, on set at the time. People and even now they, they, you would have photographers just you know for, for to have the director and to also have like you know, it was it was a common practice to to have photographers on set and, and during the scenes and and they would sometimes just leave those photos, you know. So the brother and the sister who founded movie Star News would collect. Those photos for free, and after a few years, RKO realized they were actually because they opened a store in Manhattan to to, to and they were selling those those, those movie stills at quite a high price. So RKO started selling it rather than, than just you know giving it for free, and uh, so they started doing business not just with RKO but with other other studios. They were very 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 also very popular and very very famous in the history of photography. Because they created the what we call the pinup photography and the bondage photography, so we, you would have Betty Page, you would have uh, Marilyn Monroe. We did a lot of uh, naked stuff with them. We wrote an article about it, and we're gonna have a, starting from Monday every day an article about what we do from the number one photo magazine named The Eye of the Photography. It's a French American photo magazine and um, yeah so the history is incredible in 1959 RKO declared, declared bankruptcy so they they were just doing business with the other studios and then it, you know they they got they got older in the 80s the Clow brother and sister they sold the movie Star News uh, business to we really changed hands multiple times until uh, 2020 and now it's in the hands of our partners that are like based in um, their mix of private and investors in private equity based in LA. So uh, yeah.
0: Amazing. So how, how much like inventory do you think you've got with these guys or this via this relationship? Do you think like there's endless oh, these photos guys, that you just haven't? Unco-
1: these guys, they have uh, millions and millions of photos since uh, the twenties, but we, uh, we basically just, that's why the curation process took so long because we just, we just, we just got the best, what we think is the best and what we think is the, we got the highest resolution stuff. We got the 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 most iconic, the most what we think is the most embedded in the pop culture. Uh, what we think is the most historically relevant to the history of cinema. So we're gonna do more more stuff with them on super air, maybe but very very small drops. Where the winner of the auctions will will also get the original negative, the eight by ten. We we're working with everybody. We work with uh we securing. Uh, supply with legendary photographers in new york in paris in milan we work with media companies we work with archives so we uh But like what well, i mean the, the curation process is is is, not, is very complicated To be, it's a lot of work a lot
0: yeah i yeah uh, i see you have Chuli, brainy and mullet and mullet we've already had on Punkcast as well so uh three three really good punks on your curation board too
1: a good friend uh brainy as well and Chuli is a uh, Incredible, uh, yeah, all, all very good people. Very that really have uh, that are really experienced in in so many different fields. It's it's a pleasure to be to be advised by them.
0: Absolutely, and may tell tell us a little bit about Focus Block Pass. I just tried clicking on it, but it says like it's already being claimed or owned. But I, I guess what what is that? How does that work? And
1: yeah, so we wanted to on the first drop, we wanted to reward the the people that, that entered the, the the first collection. This pass basically. As you know, we're gonna to try to grow and gonna to try to to bring um, as much value as possible to this pass. But this pass for now is is mostly uh, guarantee you the whitelist and guarantee you twenty five percent discount to to every drop. We're gonna do lifetime. So um,
0: yeah. So what's next for Focus Block? Like where do you want to take that next? Next for us
1: is. Um, really next for us there, there's so many opportunities. So we are doing this drop in 10 days with movie star news going to be big test for us, but we are, I think we, we're pretty confident, but the next super rare we're going to do, uh, we're going to grow our brand on super rare because we, we, we have our own gallery being curated there. So we're going to do more stuff. We're going to, we're securing a partnership for sport vintage with one of the largest uh, sport media business in Europe so vintage sport we think is gonna it can work very well we're gonna do different teams really really but it's always going to be about vintage photo you know we're not gonna you know j- just our niche is vintage photo and we we think there is a phenomenal potential to especially given you know what's happening with ai and photo and image image treatment and i think it's very important to give some, to be fair, you know I, I don't want to sell too much, but we to have the right on a to give you an example to have the right over a photo of Yves Saint Laurent or or I don't know Zoniger or Marlon Brando, you know this is first the supply is very very limited sometimes inaccessible, and to give you the example of Yves Saint Laurent, it's there is just two entities in the world that have right over his photos. It's Yves Saint Laurent Foundation, which is the brand. And the succession, which is completely fragmented and and they will never talk to you, so we try to give and the value we, we we put on the table is is giving rights copyright and IP over stuff that are almost inaccessible and are iconic and historically relevant and and also you know it's it's about the vibe as well it's about you travel back in time and it's an emotion it's a, it's rare, it's an emotion it's it's iconic
0: you, you know what I think you've really hit this segment that that suits the nft crypto demographic uh yeah it's that i think most of it comes from sort of our vintage right our age group i don't know sort of mid-30s you know sort of mid-40s and we sort of grew up around this time that's why the pixel art with crypto punks the old school retro gaming all of these sort of vibes just uh they're just you know, very nostalgic, um, emotions that sort of come from it. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like when I look at it, it definitely, definitely vibes with me. So I'm, I'm
1: glad you say that because we, um, and, and more than that, more than the nostalgic vibe, we also want to sort of educate people about something here. You know, we want to try, we try to be smart, we try to be cultural because even though it's iconic, it you know, in, we really cover the most influential movies of the history of cinema. Each of these movies, they've changed the cinema in a way, like like Psycho from Hitchcock, like some Stanley Kubrick movies, they changed some. You know, it's, we, we think it's incredible because we, we look back in time and that's why the curation, the curation process is so so tricky because you want to make sure we, what you put there is, is uh, really bring something to the, the, really the history of cinema.
0: Yeah. How, how are you thinking about supply then? Like, I mean, do you talk about that at the curation board? Like how do you know, like, for example, 120 is the right number? Well, you must have thousands to
1: So we could have done a thousand, but but you know, we just started. We just want to scale very slow. Make sure we have good foundations, do don't don't grow too fast, don't try to, to grow too fast and make sure everything is, is done in a in a slow but steady way. And that's why, you know, the the, the drop and everything we do is one to one. So the new drop in ten days is uh three hundred thirty-three. So we're slightly we're increasing the supply by by almost three times. And you know, we, we and also our, we're not we're not we're not a cheap project. You know, it's not a free mint. It's uh, this drop is going to be zero, 0.4 ETH. ETH has been performing well, so we, we want to be always around, around the same range. Uh, it's not for everybody. It's for serious collectors, and we want to scale slowly. That that's it. We don't want to. We we don't. We the market is here, but we want to also create the demand, and create the hype, and so obviously you know if we get to the point where we we but we're never going to be a mass market uh, project we like to give this feeling of exclusivity and niche and highly like curation
0: that makes a lot of sense um well looking forward to your next job man and um no that's super super fascinating um what you're sort of working on and i love i love the sort of First drop that you did, so I'll be looking forward to the next one. Maybe shifting the conversation back a little bit more onto CryptoPunks. Then, <laughs> um, so when did you buy your first CryptoPunk, and what made you buy?
1: So it's a very interesting story. I um, so I was in the CryptoPunk Discord since twenty one because I was friends with all those guys like Mullet Bass Brainy and uh, and and I was a friend of Crypto. I was a friend of punks at the status and Discord in twenty one was very active. Um so but I didn't have a punk at the time. I was trading a lot different different stuff. But it's only in uh I think it was May, May or June 22. May or June last year. Last year I jumped into a wild hair. I jumped into uh, I loved it. A very nice wild hair. And I, I also um so it's a funny story because I i uh, I got the Tiffany pendant. I was one of the first hundred to get it uh from D I don't know if you remember. And then, and then, you know, it was 30 ETH and a couple of people listed it at like 55 ETH. And then Deepak just swipped at 55. So, you know, I listed mine at 50, uh, thinking that I would make like 20 ETH in one day. (laughs) And then Deepak uh, called me, was like, man, you, I don't understand. You, 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 you get the, you get to mean first and, and then you try to flip. And I'm like, no, man, you just said that you, you would, you would sweep everything. So for me, you know, twenty ETH in in in, uh, in one day. I'm not gonna say no. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's like, and the guy's like, uh, okay, so okay, so just uh, uh, just like send it back to me, and I'm like, okay. So he sent me like uh, thirty ETH back, and and I sent him back the the pendant, the claim to the pendant, and then ETH went up to like it was right before two point proof of stake wasn't it, it was yeah it, it was in the summer and then I listed it for profit ETH was going up like like we went up to two two K. So I made like um, a good flip on this pack. I flipped it. And then back in December uh, I thought it was good timing to to jump back into ETH and into punk. So I swapped a lot of stable into ETH and really wanted the purple hair. Punk, because you know, all the, the the big the big NFT photo people, they all have a purple hair punk. When you do NFT photo, you need a purple hair, you know, like Alejandro Cartagena, John Nav. There is even that punk straight beats as well. I fell in love with this purple hair. For me, it was a forever punk. You know, the white hair, I liked him, but not. I didn't find him so special. That's why I was okay. I'm gonna trade it if it's a good profit. But this one for me, that's I want to you know build my brand around him and and and. Uh, I think it's very special. It's very punk. You know, It's very, I really like it. So, so yeah.
0: He's got the cigarette. It must be a French thing too.
1: I, I'm French and I smoke a lot. So I needed a cigarette. <laughs> no, no, I'm not joking. Really. Yeah, I, know.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. I know. I think most of the French people I know all smoke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm a ciggy I'm a fan. So uh, I'm going to add you into the, uh, are you in the singing, smoking yeah. punk group?
1: Yeah, yeah. They added okay, me with Marcela and of course
0: yeah awesome no it's a, it's a really cool punk man like when you were looking through I guess the traits were you just looking for a purple hair like Or talk us through I guess the selection process here like when you went for 7294
1: yeah I was really looking at a purple hair and this one was listed for a while it was listed at 90 something it was like two three weeks that it was listed two weeks maybe it was listed and people would send low 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 offers but I directly talked to the guy on discord I think he's He's like ultra-pump or something. And I sent Bid at like 80. Then he said, no, it's too low. Then we said all that. Like, he said, okay, for 87. Uh, I said, no, no, okay, for 86.69. He was like, okay, let's do
0: it. <laughs> for, the, for the culture.
1: For <laughs> the culture, you know. So, so uh, no, I really wanted the purple hair, but not any purple hair. You know, it's not so easy to find a nice, like A clean, yeah. This one's a clean. You one. get my point, right? Some purple hair doesn't to have like a clean one with first I needed a cigarette, then a purple hair. So it's it's a lot, you know, to and to have one available when it is so low was, was was I think it was uh but I was looking at punks for like two months already. I was ready to, to, to pull the trigger.
0: That D- punk was going through exactly the same thing so he saw that he originally had a purple hair punk and then he was out and he was looking for a purple hair punk for the longest time and he found the one with the vr glasses which is which is another grail too so he did really Incredible. well
1: Incredible, yeah. Incredible. You,
0: yeah oh man that's, that's such a nice uh punk story um 86.69 what a what a deal <laughs> um and um and, and and if you could and if money wasn't an issue like what would be your dream punk do you think
1: I'm. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm. I'm really. For me, purple hair is the coolest pret. It's the, okay, purple hair aside, I really like um the woman pack with the orange hair. You know, you see, you see the one.
0: Yes. yeah, yeah. That was actually quite rare, right? Uh, what is that? Sixty eight. Sixty eight in the whole collection.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think those. Pretty cool. That that's very very. You never see anyone wearing that.
0: That's true. I, I don't I don't know anybody on Twitter or anybody rocking an orange hair actually.
1: No, no one. And and as a collector, it's a woman punk is. Um, I think when when traditional art people are gonna get heavy into punk, they're gonna look more into a woman's punk. I'm pretty sure.
0: And, and for you, like, how do you see crypto punks? I mean, you're come you're coming from a little bit of the art world as well. Do you see them as art or more of a, as a collectible?
1: No for me it's it's art completely art i mean it's the beginning of a trend it started a trend it started you know it's it's a crypto native and it's it's becoming very, story, very like it's becoming historically relevant it's, it's been around for, for 6 years now starting to be in some museums it's it's it really is the and it started a trend so it's uh no it's it's art it's pure art
0: agreed agreed and uh When you're looking across, I guess, all the collections in the NFT space at the moment, any NFT collections that you feel are undervalued or unloved?
1: I'm going to give you an alpha. There is a a drop from Artblocks. It's an Artblock curated. It's called Kalyan. C-A-L-I-A-N. It's uh, have a look. I've never seen that before. I get the same feeling uh, when I got into Mad Cain Gazers in uh, 05. Same feeling.
0: Okay. All right. I'll take a look at that. That's a alpha right there. And uh, if you were to look back across your NFT career to date, um, what would be, I guess, your biggest wins or losses that's worth mentioning?
1: So my biggest win was um, Gazers at 0.5 got a bunch. P-Rainisto on drops, cryptods and CryptoDigbots. Crypto Obviously, I was uh, very low. 8-Bits. I was, uh, it, was, uh, it was too much of a perpendicular, but I, I did well. Yeah.
0: Matt Gaze, yeah. I mean, that was such a beautiful job as well. I love love Matt. Yeah. Incredible. And who's your favorite punk personality um, or, or personalities, if you've got more than one? Uh,
1: I really like um, Justin, the founder of Braindrops. Justin Trimble, Uh He's wearing a VR ape punk with a hoodie. So he's a, he's a cool guy. He's a visionary. He likes AI like I do, and we, we share, yeah. He's a smart guy, smart investor. Had like good understanding of macro and understand the trends before everybody. And very kind person as well. And yeah, really, really like this guy.
0: I never, I never got into Brain Drops. What kind of art project is that? Is it an art project?
1: It's an AI AI art project where you have a Pindar van Arman, you have Claire Claire Silver.
0: Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yes, yes. No, I have seen this. I have seen this.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's fascinating because they really ahead of the everybody. We are like six months a year ahead of everything.
0: Yeah, crazy. And if you would describe punk culture in a few words, how would you describe that?
1: So um, apart from what we said on the the art part and how historically relevant it is going to become, the culture and the community is made of... uh, I mean, you have to just check the the fat Punk thesis is where it's made of people that that like to build and innovate and, and really care about are like mostly crypto native people that want to you know a better world and 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 really innovation for me is the key word
0: absolutely and how do you feel about v1 punks
1: man i think i think it's uh you know it it, it, it was just um you know at the end of the day larva larva lab just messed up a bit and and then did it from a different contract and and it's fine you know I think it's relevant, but, but I think the, the narrative around it sometimes is a bit too, too much. You know?
0: What about BTC punks? No, no. It's a, it's a joke. <laughs> and what about the Yuga acquisition? How did you feel about that when uh, you heard the news?
1: Uh, yeah, the acquisition of Yuga is basically the acquisition of the IP so it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean much. They acquired also a bunch of punks, I think 400 maybe. And they have the the dry powder to, to you know, like keep doing well, what punks is good at doing. And it, it's nothing, just the art. So it's, it's, it's not so much of a, of a news, to be honest.
0: And if you could pass on a message to the next owner of your punk, 7294, what would you like to say to him?
1: He doesn't, you know, he's not here yet because is probably going to be my son. I'll tell him when he when he when he when he turn thirteen, not before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a special message, awesome. Lamar, this was a really fun conversation, man, and I love uh, getting to know you and uh, your story and and what you're sort of building with uh, Focus Block. So thank you for your time, man.
1: Thanks. I love podcast. I listen to them from time to time. I I love what you do, and keep, keep doing it. It's very good for always interesting uh, profiles and and always interesting to get to understand people's experience better and 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 see the variety of and what people are building it's it's really great thanks a lot
0: amazing i no, appreciate the, the kind of words made and um i guess any final comments from you and you know how can people find you
1: find me on on, on twitter uh, and uh if you're in london or paris we'll, we'll go for for a glass of red wine perfect and the cigarette Obviously.
0: <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely the cigarette guys uh, that wraps up another episode of punk cards for the week yeah stay tuned uh, for next week and we'll interview another punk bye for now